1: You want answers, I think I'm entitled You Want Answers. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth.
0: Hello again free thinkers. Welcome back to the Free Thought Project Podcast. My name is Jason Bassler and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor-in-chief, Matt Agarist. So as you guys know, we've been doing this podcast for about five years now. But only within the past couple years have we really taken it seriously, trying to be consistent, trying to provide thought-provoking episodes, and trying to bring on guests that not only are interesting, but also challenge our worldviews and beliefs. And I've long said that there is no peak climbing the mountain of enlightenment. And I believe that to be a true free thinker, we must constantly challenge ourselves, we must challenge our perspectives, and what we believe is true, false, legitimate, and what is even possible. So with that said, last month, I agreed to do an interview with someone who is also a free thinker, but on a bit of a different path and a bit of a different playing field than our work here at the Free Thought Project. And that conversation turned out to be very stimulating and very powerful. And it made me realize that there's a lot more to explore beyond our own views on politics, culture, society, and truth. So I invited this person onto our show. So our guest this week is Alpa Sani. Alpa is incredibly smart. She's incredibly well-spoken. So we brought Alpa on to talk about spiritual warfare and how it's being used against us in a variety of ways. And Alpa gave us a lot to think about while we dissected some topics that many probably would find a bit out there or a bit too uh, hippy dippy. But that's what we do here at the Free Thought Project. And uh, you guys should know, there is no subject to taboo or off limits for any reason. Now, I also wanted to remind you guys that we do have the great Mark Passio scheduled as our guest for next week's episode. So please make sure you come back here and check out our podcast next Monday as well when that one drops. But for now, enjoy our conversation with the lovely Alpa (laughs) Sonny. Welcome to the show, Alpa. I've been looking forward to this conversation Uh, now about a month ago, uh, actually probably a little bit more than that, a month and a half ago, you were kind enough to interview me and have you on your love and action show. And I must say you are a great host. Uh, You're easy to talk to. And we had a great discussion. So I wanted to have you on our show to talk about a few of the topics we discussed which interested me and it's a side of the freedom movement that we don't really focus on or emphasize enough on our podcast. So we wanted to talk today with you about spiritual uh, enlightenment and of course, uh, the flip side of that, which is spiritual warfare. And on your show, we talked about the spiritual warfare we've persevered through over the past three years now and how it affects many of us on so many different levels. And in so many different ways and seeing that you go by the alias spiritual badass, it seemed appropriate to have this conversation with you. And of course, there's a few other topics I'm sure we'll get into as well, Um, but this is going to be a fun yet important conversation so in the interview we did a while back, we discussed your decision to step away from social media for a bit. And I believe that was because uh, a few different things. One of them was the censorship that you were experiencing. And I'm pretty sure you mentioned that you lost your 35,000 subscriber YouTube channel. And of course, you know, here at the Free Thought Project, we are no stranger to censorship as well but how does it feel to be back and have you experienced any censorship since you've been back
2: so first of all i'd like to say thank you to both of you for having me as a guest on your show um i've been a huge fan of uh, your work jason and the free thought project i share everything uh, that you do on my um, social media on on Instagram uh, to be specific and yeah gosh it's been a journey in these last three years Um, and uh, I'd say an arduous journey but also uh, an awakening movement that we are witnessing before our eyes in the collective um, from the plane of consciousness and, of course, the spiritual warfare that's going on, the psychological warfare that's going on, and, of course, the information warfare thats uh, that we're all witnessing. So, so much is happening and the energies um, that we're, we're experiencing. Maybe we cannot interpret it, but um, I see myself more as an in- intuit. You know, I'm not a hardcore researcher, but I am really governed by heart and um, energy and what I feel that's going on um, from the collective consciousness view and when I started this journey three years ago it was just an intent to get this information out there I didn't have any experience and I'm not necessarily someone that likes to share my personal life on social media as such but I do you know we I do resonate with um uh, some channels and, you know, the the lovely things that people share. But um, very quickly, uh, within the first six months of me, um, you know, starting to share my voice on Facebook, and then subsequently, I started the YouTube channel, I could see myself being hit. And um, when I say hit, in terms of having all these kind of like censorship issues, first of all, and then also with kind of my energetic levels and Physical levels, like in terms of how exhausted I would feel um, with with this uh, movement, so there is definitely something that that was um, uh, causing a bit of a distraction in in what I was, what my mission was. And when I speak to people like minded individuals, they say that they experience that. So I came on really with that intent, just to share you know, what's going on with um, the, the medical fraternities and of course the subject of children. And it's taken me on many tangents, but yes, I have come back um, and decided to continue after a break. Um, but I'm still experiencing censorship. There was all sorts of glitches that were happening on my show that you just saw um, just now. Um, and it's still happening. And, but you just have to continue to stand tall in the face of any kind of adversity.
0: Absolutely. And um, yeah, I know you mentioned children there. That's certainly a topic that I want to get into during this conversation. I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. But I think you touched on something important. You know, there's a lot of us who maybe aren't necessarily in tuned intellectually, logically, as far as you know, exactly what's going on, but they recognize that something's not right. Right. And as you said, we might not be able to interpret it, but we could sense that something's going on. Now, there's a, a great quote by Henry Bergson that uh, has always stuck with me. It's something that I should probably have memorized by now as, as many times as if I've, I've actually read it and, and heard it, but it goes something along the lines of this. Fortunately, some are born with spiritual immune systems that are sooner or later give rejection to the illusory worldview grafted upon them from birth through social conditioning. They begin sensing that something is amiss and start looking for answers, inner knowledge, and outer experiences show them a side of reality others are oblivious to, and so begins their journey of awakening. Each step of the journey is made by following the heart instead of following the crowd and by choosing knowledge over the veils of ignorance. Such a powerful quote. And, you know, I must admit, here at the Free Thought Project, we often avoid some of the light and airy, I guess, hippy dippy or woo woo, as you call it, I remember, <laughs> in our conversation. <laughs> it's because there is such a negative connotation against it as if it's irrelevant or nonsensical. But in this episode, I I want to confront that. I want to go head on and explore it. So like as the Beatles preached, you know, throughout the sixties, this was a common theme, which is love is the answer. Love is all you need. And I personally, I would suggest at the root of nearly all of our actions, emotions, choices, there is a decision between love and fear. Now love is an extremely powerful concept to embrace and embody and it coincides with hope, acceptance, compassion, kindness, but it's still rejected by mainstream America and maybe just you know across the world as idealistic, utopian and ultimately hippie rhetoric even even by the generation who once identified as hippies. So I guess like how in the hell does that happen and do you think it's intentional do you feel like maybe this has been coordinated by the elite ruling class to normalize the conflict the chaos and fear or is it more of like a side effect because of apathy distraction and division.
2: Um, great question. And I just wanted to say that I, I think I sit on that fence of being the woo woo uh, hippie type, you know, not uh, just being an intuit operating from the heart. And I definitely agree with what you said. Love is the greatest force and power. And I, I metaphorically say love is the greatest currency first and foremost, because that's what's been the driving force for me. You know, this, this Indian girl from North London, who, I don't consider myself a scholar. I'm not a guru, and I'm certainly um, not someone that claims to be a scholar in any of these subjects. Um, So I'd like to reinforce that, and I operate uh, primarily from just my intuitive compass. Um, And I read things, and what resonates resonates, but there is an energetic pull with certain subjects, and through experience in my own personal experiences, I am led uh, through these different kind of um, escapades, as I call it. So it's in our kind of pain that we discover so much about ourselves and how we confront the demons within. Um, And this is such a big, big subject. But for me, um, the whole spiritual warfare began in 2010, where I started uh, really questioning what was going on in my life. I had some personal... Um, experiences that saw my life took a turn for what I would say uh, not what I had planned in in you know from the career that I was doing in financial services and I was being drawn to the subject of spirituality um, and you know I had so many multitude of different experiences that it was just pointing in a direction that there's something inside that I'm not dealing with there's something more to this life, there was this this dark night of the soul as they label it in the spiritual community that started beginning. So it sparked that curiosity. And I think that's where it begins for a lot of people. It can be, you know, the crisis turns out to be a blessing in your life. Um, But in in this movement there, it it became very obvious to me instantaneously that while I never saw myself as um, interested in the geopolitical arena at all, when I found out about the children, it was that love and what I call the Shakti or the Kali energy, as um, we term it in in my culture, which embodies that, that inner tenacity, that it's like the energy of a mother, that I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care if I can speak. It was opening up my throat chakra, um, but I have to get this message across. And I think it was with that power of love and the force of love, um, and not really knowing where this was going. But that's really what dictated my journey.
1: Well, that's that's uh, pretty awesome. And you even said a prayer before the uh, before we got started on the show. Like I. I guess I didn't understand what, what you were saying. I I don't think we were meant to, but um, I kind of dug it and, you know, you, you just mentioned um, demons, you know, and demons and angels, they, they have like very subjective meanings, you know, depending on who's referring to what, you know, for a drug addict, the demon could be heroin for um, uh, some diehard leftist. The demon could be a Republican, right? Like it's, it's all, it's all very subjective and, when you look at the concept of spiritual warfare, which is like, I guess, what you what you say you're engaged in. Right now, I, I kind of I'm, I'm on the same page here, Um, but it goes back to like a, essentially a Christian ideology. Right. Like this is the for, for a, a hundreds of years, the Christians have been engaged in this spiritual warfare. Do you ascribe to a specific faith or anything like that? Or what is the background of your spirituality? Like what is there a religion? Um, undertones or is this you said you're guided by your internal compass is that the whole of your spirituality or is there some kind of faith behind it
2: so i was raised in a hindu um environment you know i uh, prayers and mantras has always been a part of my upbringing they carry a reverberation so um there's the term hinduism but uh, we, many people may not know it's a term given by the british and per- persians but the Vedic culture stands back thousands and thousands of years ago, and it's uh, um, originally known as uh, the Sanatan Dharma. Sanatan meaning truth, and Dharma meaning action. So I interpret that as truth essentially really is your call to action, and that's what we are doing. If you think about it metaphorically, so Sanatan Dharma is your truth is your call to action. So. I was one of those that irritated my mother because I constantly questioned everything that she would command me to do. So that would be in terms of prayer and doing this on a certain day. You can't, and this was all kind of old wives tales and um, uh, superstitions that never aligned to me because the whole subject of religion for me is very simple. It's institutionalization and it's sort of other people's the, the way other people or these institutions dictate uh, how you should be and and the duality of good and bad if you do this then you're good if you don't do that you're you're bad if that makes sense. So for me coming from the Vedic background and it didn't it didn't start from my parents as such because they would always label um, everything that we did as religious, or coming from the Hindu um, background, as I kind of got more and more curious, I had um, I had some mystical experiences that started in uh, 2003, where I had a dream about the the shakti energy and there was this temple in India called Vaishnadevi, and the dream was exactly um, showing me this temple in the in the mountains in border between Jammu and Kashmir. And I went down and said to my mom, I said, mom, I've had this dream. And at that time, I was pretty rebellious, didn't really ascribe to anything that, you know, was what I felt commercial. And I was kind of trying, I was kind of um, rejecting everything that was uh, that was um, surrounding the subject of God. I thought I considered myself a bit of an atheist at that time. But um, this dream was um, pivotal in my uh, faith, as it were, or the awakening that I was beginning to feel. So it was like three stages. It started in 2003, then in 2010, and of course, where we are right now. So I felt compelled to go to India to visit this place. And there's a saying for the pilgrimage or the Yatra that you cannot go unless you've had the calling from the mother goddess. So here's me thinking, I know nothing about any of this. And lo and behold, I go trek seven hours up the mountains and I went in the temple in this cave And it was, Jason was exactly like the dream. And I started shaking. I had no understanding of it. I didn't know what this was, didn't know what this kind of message I was supposed to interpret. And then it started me off on that journey of like, right, where do I go from here? What what is God trying to tell me? What do I need to learn? So if that answers your question in terms of my background, my faith, where I come from, there's so much in this that it's. Um, I've I've found it a little bit difficult to um, interpret and vocalize. But like I keep saying, it's it's an intuitive compass that keeps guiding me, and I I just kind of get it. That's why I got what was going on when we started this movement. Oh,
1: you know, that's that's amazing. That's a great answer. <laughs> it's a uh, established religion is, I think, it may be an enemy to actual spiritual journeys, you know, a personal spiritual, a person's spiritual journey. I was raised hardcore Catholic and it was boring and rigid. And, you know, well, we saw what the Catholic church was doing to children, you know, luckily I avoided that. But, um, I mean, it, it basically turned off my spirituality and, um, made me an atheist. I was like, a an asshole, one of those asshole atheists that tells everybody that there's no God, you know, and I was going around doing all that and, uh. (laughs) and I was a, an asshole back then. And I, I had like a, like you said, you had this mystical experience I did too. Um, mine wasn't organic. I mean, I guess it was organic. It was derived from a chemical substance DMT and uh, our ayahuasca in particular. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it made me spiritual again. I, you know, I met this Godhead or whatever it is, you know, this, I, this connection it it made me connected again to like the spiritual world and it was um utterly amazing you know uh but I guess my question is you know um back to like the demons and <laughs> and and like who we're battling here is there like a I mean it's because there's all these established um you know parts of society that do tend to sever this spiritual bond that humanity ha- or all humans have is there a particular enemy that we can identify that's like going about doing this i mean i know like the estate was my demon or my enemy was established religion and then the state you know like it it all seems like there's multiple facets to this this war is there Absolutely. like any particular one that we can name that's like the most effective at doing that
2: well, uh, again, really good question, because um, I've got something that I'd like to read, which really hit home about exactly what you've just asked me. But I was like, I'm, I'm struggling with explaining what I can intuitively feel inside. But how in the hell do I explain this to the masses? <laughs> and right at that moment, I got somebody who sent me um, this, um, this passage. And it was like, boom this is this makes sense so it's that sharing of that gnosis which really hit home one and to answer what you said that what is going on behind the behind sort of in the unseen war the things that we don't really understand the demons the angels we hear all of this in in the spiritual community but again like i always say i know nothing but this very moment this passage came and it's called what's going on with the herogamic attacks. And I was speaking about the divine masculine and the divine feminine. What I interpret this first and foremost is the union with ourselves because we have masculine and feminine aspects. It just depends which is more dominant. And we are here to self-actualize, self to self-liberate ourselves from this matrix, if that makes sense. So we're here to find out who we are, not by our titles, not by our names, not by the work that we do, who are we at that soul spiritual level and it never used to make sense when people would say any of this to me but it does kind of now and do forgive me if um, some of the things that I was saying earlier on that d- didn't make sense but what I'm about to read to you really hits home and it covers uh, a multitude of um, the dark and light and what's going on in the unseen world behind um Behind closed doors, as I say, so it's called the anti-herogamic attacks. Herogamic means uh, a divine union of uh, masculine and feminine, and it says that God's divine plan and architecture includes divine unions in harmony. So we could interpret that as if we're in our solo journey, as how we are individually and how we're showing up. Are we balanced? Are we calibrated? Are we functioning at a, a, a balanced level? So. Um, The Divine Unions um, are here in harmony, restoring the sacred family unit template and through the power of their pure love, as well as their unique mission, anchoring back heaven on earth. Through our own experiences of Divine Union and doing multidimensional healing work, including timeline repair and soul retrieval, we are continuously receiving deeper insights. Um, And understanding into the truth of how heavily divine union partnerships for individuals, divine unions, genetic equals have been tremendously targeted through dark forces to split up thousands of years ago back to ancient timelines of Lemera and Atlantis. To this day, they still are being heavily uh, targeted through some of the most sophisticated and dark anti-herogamic weaponry to prevent their unification. So we get distracted when we're we're on a mission, um, trying to let's say take my example. I'm here trying to you know get the message out about what's happening in our world. And you see all the distractions that happen, the cognitive dissonance that we've all experienced, et cetera, et cetera. So these dark forces work parasitically behind the scenes. We're continuously understanding how deep and multifaceted the monodex splits and antiherogamic reversals run that need to be repaired in the soul matrix in order to unite with the true counterpart and come back into a harmonious divine union with self. These dark anti-life forces operate invisibly in the shadows and don't want us to know they even exist, so they can parasitically keep feeding off our life force by causing separation and suffering in humanity. The uncomfortable truth is those of us that are on the path of embodying, embodying a herogamic union with self or sacred marriage have been under extremely aggressive black magic attacks and mind control harassment, especially over the last three years, and it's been intense. Divine unions, individuals, genetic uh, equals that have come to earth to fulfill the Christos mission of sacred marriage and herogamic unions are known to be directly targeted by the anti-HD technology in order to prevent self-unification or unification. And if they were able to unite, manipulate or destroy the relationship and derail the collaborative mission. The highly sophisticated um, anti-herogamic weaponry includes black magic through satanic blood sacrifice, pulsated through ley lines and directed to divine unions and those on their spiritual mission. And this is inverted ultraviolet rays through the Saturn moon matrix, lunar matrix, activating lilith Azazel re- reversals, victim victimizer programming, as well as Luciferian overlays of illusion, deception, temptation, and confusion. Additionally, there is AI harassment broadcasted through alien technology an organic frequencies holding inverted anti-life coding of fallen parasitic architecture such as the Fibonacci sequence, extra-dimensional entities that have artificially generated inorganic Fibonacci spirals created through alien machinery and alien technology, which hold the parasitic, entropic, finite architecture of death, anti-life that needs consumption for survival in order to hijack, siphon, and steal energy from planetary body humanity and target those on their mission. This is how the metatronic reversal fields were created on our planet, as well as the artificial tree of life, which interrupts the ability to self-source and ascend, leading to fallen consciousness. Please be careful with the new age artwork you align to your life, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then it goes on to um, saying all of this anti-HD technology aims to disconnect us from God and cunningly targets our weakest spots and most painful trauma in our subconscious, physical and energy body to collapse us into our pain body, feel stuck, looping in devastation, hopelessness and despair to give up on our true mission and the unification with self. And then this creates hate, distrust between the masculine feminine polarity or through immense suffering and bitterness gets us to invert our hearts, our inner feminine and masculine principles and our true organic essence into reversals to create separation within, between us and lock us into a state of enslavement, lack, torment and separation from God and our true divine partners, genetic equals, to harvest our life force energy. And they have and will continue to target those around you as they are trying to stop what is happening. Sorry. You may see the dark using family members, friends, and loved ones to target you in the physical and try and bring you down, acting completely out of character. Their face and eyes may even appear to change. And please keep all loved ones in your prayers and uh, clear this energy and not just on your own and ask god for um help so it's it's quite a long paragraph but you know this i just i don't know if this makes sense but it's so deep and it completely hit home to everything i was experiencing i'm not sure what your thoughts are on that but it is very i mean it certainly deep. describes
1: what's going on right now in society as far as like the you know the details of all of the of causing it like what you just what you just described there in that long paragraph you know I'm I don't I mean I have no evidence or anything like that you know but this is something that people have been saying that reminded me like of the the Anunnaki uh people you know the ancient uh like Mesopotamians and the Sumerians and they believe that the that they were battling these deities from outer space I guess and and uh with with all these dark forces and um yeah it's it's it's, it's kind of crazy we have no evidence or proof of any of this other than what's going on and we could see it. And so, you know, you could see these this what's what's happening in society with the, the 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 death of the feminine and the masculine or and the the blurring of the lines between that and the divide, you know, where people are being put into different camps and and hate each other. And it's uh, there's certainly something some dark forces at play here and. Um, though I can't, you know, be certain what they are, uh, that passage You just read certainly describes the, the problem and, you know, the, maybe potentially the enemy that, um, that's causing all that, you know? And I'm, yeah, like, I mean, besides like turning off the TV and, you know, obvious things like that to, to get outside of the you know, to see outside of the establishment hypnosis machine that we have going on here, that's causing this. What what like advice could you give to somebody or our listeners um, who want to stay connected, you know, with their souls and their spirits and and try to you know win <laughs> this war?
2: Again, beautiful question, and it's a simple answer for me. It's our connection to God that turns every crisis into a blessing, you know, and the the power of true love, true love within, um, and and this may sound all New Agey, but. It takes, um, a, it, it takes our journey of self-discovery to figure out who we are. And life's progressive growth, right? You know, we're always figuring things out at every stage of our life. But remaining in an exuberant spirit, um, and it can be difficult. It can be, and I get that. I'm not gonna sort of um, blurt out toxic positivity. Oh, you know, just be positive, just be positive. Right. So, face the demons within first and foremost.
1: But to a certain extent, that's good.
2: Well, you know? it is. It is. But, you know, I used to be one of these what I now realize uh, toxic positive. You know, no, everything's great. Everything's fine because I wasn't facing what was going on within. And it had to come to a complete collapse for me to realize I was doing that because I was very I am very empathic in nature, very sensitive to my environment. And, of course, I keep saying these energies. But it was my connection to God that I kept asking, God, show me the way. What do I need to know? What do I need to um, learn from this experience? Rather than going and as I read in that passage, going from that victim consciousness, we want to go into that victor consciousness. How do we do it? It's that curiosity that led me to this path. I chose this script before I came onto Earth. I'm a true believer that, you know, our souls come here prepared for this mission. We chose this, this path. But it's the experiences that shape us and we are at free will to make the decisions that govern, you know, our life and take the path um, which we think is right. But there are these things that are happening in the background that can influence us. And as it said in the paragraph, feed off our energy parasitically. And that can come from what I call auric tears. If they understand your weakness or if you are ruminating in in darkness, um, that can be in in things like anger, um, feeling sorry for yourself incorrectly, not really um, showing up for yourself by addressing what's going on and owning what's going on. That's really important own your shit, own everything, excuse me, sorry, I shouldn't say that, <laughs> own everything, own everything that's, good. do it with an exuberant, exuberant spirit, um, and being fearless, you know, understanding what's going on within yourself at every level, like, I used to absolutely crap it before I used to go on a public um, show, and I even, today, I was like, oh my God, this stuff was going on before in my podcast, Um, and being shy, inherently shy um, in nature, I would tackle everything that would cause insecurities or that level of anxiety by just doing it. Yeah, Just really facing the fears and doing it anyway. But ultimately, it is the power of love And the connection that you have with self and god and things can dramatically change because you are in you're the commander of your own life you're in the steering wheel of your own life and you know whatever it takes to get you to where you want to be face the fears do it anyway and reinforce the implicit faith in in self and of course the divine
1: beautiful
0: yeah wonderful wonderful answer and I would add maybe just one more element of that is just integrity. And, you know, it's yes. not hard to really observe how many people live without integrity and in even their own lives. And they will bend over backwards, do mental gymnastics to justify their own behavior. They'll believe certain ideologies or worldviews that are harmful, hypocritical, damaging, uh, because they don't have the integrity, the intellectual integrity to actually really sort these things out on their own. Now, uh, to build off of what Matt just asked, because that was a great question, I have a, a little bit different of uh, a, maybe a interpretation of it. But in a recent tweet I put out uh, last week, I said the following. Have you ever noticed when you see someone laugh, you laugh? Or if you see someone cry, your eyes start to well up? I believe that we're hardwired to be empathetic creatures. But that cord of connection is being severed. And it's slowly being programmed out of us. And I followed up the the end of the tweet by saying, don't lose your empathy. And you shared, I guess, a, a similar tweet yesterday that was worded brilliantly and highly accurate by a Twitter user named Laura Matsu. And it said, there's a spiritual virus in the air that has taken over humanity. It disconnects people from their soul and divine and turns them into automatons and authoritarian followers to prep them for transhumanism. The war is between two timelines: organic humans or synthetic ones. In this spiritual war, the battle is over our souls. And since this is a spiritual war, it is your connection to your soul and the divine, which is your greatest source of protection. And that's basically the essence of what I wanted to talk about today. In my opinion, you know, this is—it's absolutely real, and it's not only something that we need to be aware of but we also need to be prepared with a, a proper defense so um along the lines of what matt asks like how does one navigate the spiritual war and build a defense against it so they can be immune to the dark forces that affect so many i mean i know we had we had talked about you know the tv um and i also had another tweet that said you know something along the lines of like uh, people say that you are what you eat, but I would say you are what you consume, and that includes all the media that enters your psyche. It, that includes every product that you put on your body, the, the sweetener you put in your coffee, to the fluoride in your water, and they don't expect you to care about these things. So prove them wrong. I mean, is that basically the essence of it, is just being mindful about what we allow into our bodies, into our psyche?
2: Absolutely. It's the choices that we're making every moment. Um, every day. And essentially, I can surmise it to it's a battle of egos and the ego within, Mm -hmm. and that's going on um, externally. So we are all collectively going through our own inner battles first and foremost. So this war on consciousness starts within Um, and if we take this movement as an example, what essentially is going on here? It's um, the right and wrong. My truth is better than your truth. Whatever, whatever context we're um, listening to this or the people that we follow or whatever we consume, um, you know, this, this whole movement has been the worst I told you so ever. You know, we haven't, we, we don't seek happiness from seeing our loved ones being injured from say the vaccine at at the moment, that's, that's really what we're witnessing collectively. But what's got in the way is um, the battle of egos of being right and wrong. And this essentially has been going on for eons. You know, It's the divide and conquer. So it's the divide and conquer of our egos, um, distraction, division, uh, all this whole race, gender wars that we're having. And um, it all boils down to one thing we're here to break our egos. And I can reinforce that by saying that it took me a long time to realize people will meet you as far as they've met themselves. So I was going out there and being like, right, everybody is going to understand this because of course we all as, as beings of love and you know children of God, we're going to have that empathy. Um, and then you get hit with, huh, what? You think that I'm nuts for sharing information about abuse to children and that saying, please don't take the vaccine uh, because you don't know what's in it. It hasn't been out for a long time. Question everything. And suddenly I'm getting ridiculed back in 2020. And that was my first run with like the negativity that I faced with this movement. But it taught me a lot. So the first thing that was like, ah, I get it. We're all on different pages. We are. We're going to be people where people have met themselves. So it's like picking your battles. And it's like people who want to learn, who want to send, who are curious, who, who want to know that there's something outside their titles, their jobs, their material life. And to really seek and find and search answers about is there more to this life than what we've been shown. And that all goes with hand in hand with where they are in their own lives, if that makes sense. So we've got multitude of energies out there. And you said something interesting, like when we're around people, laughing is contagious, et cetera, et cetera. It's so true. Um, for the last, I'll give you a, a bit of a personal story that's happened in, in the last few days with my father. He got diagnosed with cancer in, in October. And unfortunately it has really kind of, made him quite aggressive and miserable. Even though he didn't take the vaccine, he was um, taking the flu shot uh, every every year. And he's not someone that, um, you know, uh, aligns with all this woo-woo stuff and herbal medication. He trusts the doctors implicitly. So essentially that made him very grumpy. And he stopped talking to us because he was just irritated with everything that I was doing, even though he could see everything unravel in support of what I'd been trying to tell him. He didn't take the vaccine, but he did it begrudgingly. So just a couple of days ago, I thought, let me change the energy here. Let me change the script. And I just said, dad, I love you and thank you. And please forgive me, right? Please forgive me, dad. Like it wasn't about ego, about me being right and dad see, because sometimes I also put my hands up and I own the fact that there was subliminally an ego war happening with myself that need to be like to show that, look, this, what I'm saying to you is right. Where did that stem from? Was it childhood wounding? Where, where in my life was I not seen as a child so that I had to go out there and really prove myself, for example, to my family, because they were my first, um, I'd say, layer of obstacles that were preventing me to sort of go out there um, in, in my full mission. So I just brought it all back within and thought, oh my God, I don't have that need to be right people will meet me as far as they met themselves and where they are open and willing to really, truly understand what's going on um, at a collective level and then also understand what's going on within. It was just that, dad, I love you. Please forgive me. And then I'm sorry. And looking at where his energy and what his energy was telling me, I'm in pain. I've just been diagnosed with uh, you know, cancer, although he's getting better through Ayurvedic medicine um, and all of that, the arthritic pains happen and this has happened. And, you know, we could go in into that more deeply, but that's not necessary. But emotionally and energetically, I could hear his pain just from his actions. And when I said that, it all dissipated and he's back here and he's chirpy. And he's like, it oh, my pain's a little bit better. The power of love. The power of love is so strong and it can have a healing effect. And what I do say to people listening to this is don't give up on that. Don't step into your ego about the need to be right and wrong. Really tune in what's going on energetically and that unconditional love. I'm not saying take crap from people, but look at that person with the energy of love and see that person's in pain and hurt people hurt people.
0: Wonderful answer. And I'm um, sorry to hear about the diagnosis. I'm certainly happy to hear that uh, there's-
2: you're know, getting better, moving he's doing in, well.
0: Right, yeah, moving in the right direction. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, I know we're getting close to uh, the point where we're planning on wrapping up. I do have maybe two more questions, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, no, no, fine, I'm good for time. Okay, well, we uh, have you know obviously mentioned um, children, several times during this um, conversation. and you have a great following, you know on YouTube, Rumble, Twitter, Instagram. I know you've spoken at webinars and conferences. and I know you got into this wor- this world around the beginning of COVID. Um, but it wasn't just COVID that activated you, right? It was a hashtag that became very popular over the past few years. And along those lines, a few weeks ago, you posted an image on your Instagram account of a poster board with writing on it. And the writing said, if standing up for your kids burns a bridge, I have matches. We ride it down. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: And we, we did a, a very eye-opening podcast with a professional pedophile hunter last week. And I must say it was mind-blowing. And that rabbit hole goes very deep. I know that the hashtag Save the Children became overly politicized and likely intentionally associated with the QAnon movement, but I guess what does that slogan mean to you and what did it represent before it was intentionally slandered by social media companies and corporate press?
2: Well, Save the Children was like, I think I was saying it in my sleep um, at one point because there was a sense of innocence that I felt was robbed from everything that I thought to be true about like this world that we live in, all the people in it, you know, you come at life thinking people are good and this whole good, bad, I mean, thing, thing that we, we sort of label. Um, but when I saw certain videos, I watched these documentaries. I think it woke a lot of people up out, out of shadows, Save fall of the cabal. And then I saw some horrific videos, uh, pertinent to what happened in terms of the abuse to children, especially the case of the Hampstead cover-up case. Um, I actually speak to her mother quite regularly um, and that had me flawed. And when I say flawed, it had me flawed for three weeks. And I'm sure that a lot of people can say the same. I couldn't speak, I couldn't eat, and I couldn't, I just couldn't comprehend what I had learned. And this was right at the start of this movement. Um, I'm not someone that delved deep into the conspiratorial realms, but this was something that um, got me down that rabbit hole very, very quickly. And then again, just think, oh my God, I get it. I get it. I get it at every single level. So I started um, trying to share this information. And of course there was a lot of resistance and this is not something for the faint hearted. Some people go into cognitive dissonance because it's just too much to comprehend. And it is, right? To realize Mm -hmm. that we live in a world full of satanic psychopaths that could even do this and rob the innocence of our beautiful children. But it happens and it's been happening for millions of years. And when you go really, really, really deep into it, you will understand where and how. But at kind of grassroots level, we learned about this so I participated in the initial protests back in uh, August 2020 which was the first one in London and it was just it was gaining a momentum um, here in the UK and worldwide and it served it served a purpose in the uh, great awakening what I what I saved 2020 which gave a lot of people the 2020 vision to see what was you know or to attempt um and spark that curiosity of what was going on in our world doesn't matter what level you were you're at whether you are so deep in the conspiratorial narratives if you are um very sort of geopolitically inclined whatever plane you were there were a group of people that started coming together um on this subject so it really held a lot of significance at that time, especially to where we are now. And people's eyes are beginning to open. I was having conversations with my mother's friends and they are starting to connect the dots and they are beginning to talk. Doesn't matter if it's three years on. Um, I had a lot of anger with regards to like the cognitive dissonance from people and the rejection of this, but it definitely evoked uh, the Shakti or that That energy, that righteous anger that was conducive to gain the momentum, albeit the various kind of things I've experienced, good, bad, and ugly in this movement, it started something for sure. And we're, you know, information is at our fingertips. It's just the choice that we make of what we choose to want to know.
0: Sure. And I would say around that same time was the explosion of the, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself. Yes kind of um, narrative and movement, I guess, if you will, which still continues to this day. And I would say now there's even more of a lively debate and, and contention surrounding the, the whole trans movement. And um, I guess some of the overlap with pedophilia and uh, targeting children with drag shows. And of course the left claims that's not happening. And, you know, the right's concerned about the children and it's just really messy right now, but, uh, I think it all started back in 2020, as as you mentioned, and it feels like, um, unfortunately, it's been politicized to the point where now it's associated to political identity, you know. And so, if you say something about having empathy for children or supporting the children or saving the children, then you're automatically, you know, classified and, and labeled as a right wing uh, nutter or conspiracy theorist or something along those lines. And it's just unfortunate, you know, because it is such a, a a deep topic, and it affects so many children. And obviously, this thing, it's something that affects them for their entire lives, right? Like the trauma, whether it be physical abuse, uh, mental trauma, sexual abuse, which we know is happening on nearly all levels uh, within, you know, government and uh, upper echelons of military police, it doesn't matter. Uh, these things are so damaging for the entirety of a, a person's life. So to me, it's it's almost unfair that it's been politicized in the way that it has been, and it's doing a lot of I, I would say harm uh, overall uh, if we we're going to zoom out. But speaking of saving the children, and I know as as we said, you know this will be the last question, but uh, in an interview you did with Catherine Edwards, you mentioned, and hopefully this isn't a little too personal, but you mentioned that you have a nephew with autism, and that's was more or less the catalyst that made you become obsessed with the topic. And I I know you've been doing a lot of work and working really hard on your own product line. Um, So can you maybe tell us a little bit about Ari and and your detox support and also the other uh, one that you have, which is the autism support?
2: Yeah, no, thank you for, thank you for asking. Um, And it just, it's, it's interesting where, um, how God sort of diverts your energy to support your mission, um, and you don't even see it coming. So, Save the Children inadvertently, um, became, um, a passion of mine, uh, that concerned the subject of autism because of my nephew, Arif. Uh, we call him Ari. And I noticed Aww. when he was two years old, uh, yeah, he's such a beautiful soul and he I used to look after him all the time I spent so much time with him uh, on a one-to-one for about two three years where I started noticing some of his idiosynchronicities like he was very quirky in his personality he used to flap his um, arms quite a bit he used to walk on his tiptoes he had texture issues sensitivity to light sound Um, and to self-soothe himself he would kind of rock Back and forth, there was this obsession with repetition. Um, in terms of, let's say, uh, the wh- the, wh- the the song "The Wheels on the Bus," we all thought, "Oh yeah, Arav loves that," you know. But it was um, with actually, it was specific. It was the wheel of the bus that he was obsessed with, and it would be nothing else. It was it would be these fixated um, levels of interest that I just used to observe. Um, And from there, I started that whole kind of obsession for me, quote unquote, with that subject. And I always noticed a bit of quirkiness with my own brother and my father. Um, I know there's a lot of people that say now, especially with um, so much knowledge out there about what vaccines do um, and the correlation between vaccines and autism, and everyone sort of flippantly says that, oh, we all have something. But for myself, um, and I think I'm oddly set on the spectrum, uh, with ADHD, which is why I can lose my train of thought. It really became an obsessive um, uh, a point of interest for me to explore this subject. So mm-hmm. it just so happened by chance that I got to meet Barbara and Donald and um, I'd, I'd heard that they help the autistic community through herbs. Um, and I was like curious. It's like, what's this? And then when we had a meeting and I said, oh, my God, I'd love to bring this out to people. More people need to hear about this. I've been obsessed, quote unquote, with this subject for years. Park that there, my own brother and sister-in-law completely rejected anything that I had said to them earlier on at the age of two that, look, just get it checked out. You know, he could get the correct support. They dismissed it at every level. And at the age of 12, he got um, diagnosed with sitting on um, the spectrum, high functioning autism. Um, And, uh, So he was the motivation for me really to start this. And then, you know, I know a lot of parents who have children with autism and the the despair that they go through on a day-to-day basis. And this is not knocking the children, but it is the kind of tantrums that they have, the hard work that a parent has to go through dealing with these, um, you know, mood swings, these kind of issues that they don't know they're not educated enough about. Um, And is there the right support in schools? Now, I'm not a mother, so I don't claim to know anything or be a know-it-all about what it is like to look after a child full-time. But there is that love that I got to feel from my own nephew um, that really was uh, the motivation behind Ari. So it's just, um, in simple form, it's just detoxing heavy metals from the brain, from using um, the methods of ancient um, Ayurveda, putting this oil into the navel or the sole of the feet uh, which absorb this oil very quickly um, and go straight through the bloodstream into the brain and it's got a concoction of like loads of different ingredients that are very potent put together by Barbara and Donald Um, and we have seen tremendous results. It's not a cure. I put that disclaimer out there. This is not a, a medical cure. It's just to assist and support children and adults. Uh, we had a lovely testimonial from the father of an 18 year old um, boy or young man, should I say. Um, and about six weeks into using um, Ari, he started seeing um, different emotions displayed by his son. So, like eye contact interest in things um, outside his normal, normal sort of habits. And no one shoe fits all with children who are autistic or people who sit on the um, spectrum. But there's certainly this um, need to be isolated because they they can sense that they don't fit in. So there is a lot that happens to them mentally. And later down the line, mental health issues are presented. But um, what Ari is doing is slowly in a gentle approach um uh helping to dissipate these kind of symptoms uh or these um emotional outbursts and um helping them to you know f- uh reintegrate and show emotion and regulate their emotions and we're having I have so many people write into me and saying what is this stuff this is like really helping me and it's helping it helped my my dad who took the vaccine for example um his aches and pains are going and he's not feeling um as forgetful or brain foggy anymore and somebody wrote in saying I gave this to my dad with alzheimer's and saying he's 80s 83 I think it was and saying it's just remarkable now Again, I just see it as um, a mission from God, and I just want to continue getting the message out there about RE and what it does.
1: That's awesome. Is that like a chelation therapy type um, substance? No. no.
2: No. It's just, a. It's just like I said, a few herbs put together. So I'll give you an example. With the detox, it's just got grapeseed oil, um, uh, echinacea, labelia, wheatgrass, onion, corella, and kelp. And this is what Barbara and uh, Donald have been doing for years uh, just within their communities and helping, you know, people with autism. And they've seen tremendous results. So was it any wonder that this came to my attention for me to bring this to kind of as many people as I could? Um, but there's so much out there for, to assist um, children and people with autism. This is my bit, me doing my bit with my mission in my corner here from the UK with Barbara (laughs) Donald. (laughs) I'm not claiming to heal the whole world, but I'm doing my bit, you know. Tiny
1: changes. (laughs) That's all we can all hope for, right? (laughs) Yeah. We all can make our tiny changes to this earth to make it a better place. That's right. Well, Alpa, uh, you were very well spoken and you laid out an amazing case for the spiritual warfare that we're, that we're undergoing right now. And i I'm, I'm there with you. I'm on the front lines with you. So is Jason, you know, so is, so are most of the people that are listening to this. Um, is there uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap up here? Any, any website or I mean, anything at all?
2: Well, first of all, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, and giving me this platform to talk about what I only know from my heart and my, I keep saying my intuitive compass um, and sharing, um, my work for Ari, so I'll share the links with you. I'm not sure where this is going to go on, but like you'll, I'll give you the links. But really, you know, I just want to say for your audience, we're all going through so many different emotions at the moment, um, tuning in here, there, and everywhere. But some, there's a power in being still and silence, um, and and connecting with your higher self. And when you are when you are ready and and willing. Um, to hear what's going on inside and to motivate you and direct you. And whatever whatever your journey is, um, whatever it's meant to be, um, you will find your way. And knowing your own truth, shining your own light, and finding your own way is my motto. So, um, yeah, thank you both for having me, and um, I really appreciate it.
0: And uh, please, guys, definitely follow Alpa on Twitter and on Instagram. I think you're both, I think you're spiritual badass on both of those. And of course, uh, YouTube and Rumble. And we'll have the Ari link. We'll have all the links down underneath uh, in the description of the caption. So definitely support her. And Alpa, thank thank you you for taking the time to join us today and talk about this topic that we usually don't really get to explore. Uh, You're certainly a great guide and a great guest. And sometimes we just get, I guess, caught up in the material and physical world so much that we forget about the spiritual warfare that is being implemented upon us, which is just important, you know, and I, I think, uh, maybe even more important than the info wars, but thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. And I hope you will join us again.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.